Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. And I want to start off with a question that you may have asked before or you know someone who has. And here's the question. Don't you care? Everyone say that with me. Don't you care? Now say it like a little attitude. Come on. Don't you care? Don't you care about me? Now, if your spouse is here, turn to them. Don't do that part. Um, don't you care? Don't you care? We ask this question Often when we are facing a difficult situation, when we are going through challenges in our lives, we ask some version of this question to the people closest to us and even to strangers. We kind of walk around with this don't you care attitude. And, And what it means is we know what we're going through. We know what we're facing. We know the storms in us and around us. And we're searching for someone to have a level of empathy and concern for what we're going through. So we ask it horizontally of those around us. If you're married, you ask your spouse. If you're, you're single, you ask your, your closest friend group. You ask your family members. You, you ask even strangers some form of this, because you, you've done this before. You, you're kind of going through a hard day and you know you have to pick up groceries before you go home and you go into the store and the cashier seems to be having a bad day as well. And you're like, well, why are they giving me an attitude right now? <laughs> I'm trying to give you money. <laughs> uh, and you're asking even strangers to empathize with what you're going through. We ask it because we were created for true connection you and I were created for that, that, lo- that belonging, that you get it. You understand. Don't you care? Now, we don't just ask it horizontally. We also ask it vertically. Anyone ever ask God if he cares before? Come on, don't act like you're perfect Christians out there. You're like, no, I just trust in the sovereignty of God. Never question his plan for my life. Yeah, okay. This is Blaze Church. We are uh, misfits here. I'm pretty, pretty jacked up. We ask it. Don't you care, God? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't don't you have concern for my problems, for my relationships, for my finances, for my physical health, for my emotional state? Don't you care? And we ask this question. and, And I believe that the question itself has buried into it this desire, this longing for this one thing. And here's the thing. Peace. When we ask, don't you care, what we're really asking is, will you provide peace to me? Will you meet me here in the challenges, in the storms? We just sang a song, your peace over me. And we can sing it, but it is very hard at times to experience it and walk in it. Hard. And when we ask, do you care? We're saying, will you come alongside me and provide some peace right now? Because there's unrest. There is a lack of tranquility. There is a a restlessness, a searching in me. There is dysfunction. There is brokenness. Will Will you come? Will you come, God, and provide peace 
to my soul. In the context of this series, Happiness, I, I want to suggest something to you. Uh, how many are familiar with the, the Snickers tagline? Praise God, we can eat Snicker bars today. Thank you, Jesus. But it, it, you're not you when you're what? You know, when you're hungry, right? You're not you when you're hungry. You've seen the commercials, like all of a sudden, bro, grab a Snickers. My goodness. Okay, so I would like to offer this to us this morning. You're not happy when you don't have peace. You're not you when you don't have peace. You're, you're, you can't have a level of happiness. Oh, you can have fabricated happiness. You could put on the smile externally, but we're going deeper this morning. We're, we're, we're saying, okay, yeah, you look happy. You appear happy, but without peace in your soul, it doesn't matter the stuff. It doesn't matter the, the horizontal statuses and the achievements you have. That does not provide, you're not you when you don't have peace. You're not happy when you don't have peace. So the don't you care question pulls at where can we experience peace? Happiness. We've been here for three weeks now. We're ending today. In our first week together, we read the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, where he tells us blessed are or happy people are. And the word he uses is makarios. And he's telling us your happiness is way more about your position with God than it is with your possessions or your stuff. And that is such good news for the believer because we know our happiness is permanent in Jesus. Our blessing is permanent, not temporary. And we pulled on that more in the second week where we learned from the apostle Paul that our circumstances don't dictate our happiness. Our contentment does and our contentment is connected to Christ. It's good news. And last week we asked the question that Christians ask, well, can I have fun? Can I find pleasure? Can I enjoy life? And we discovered absolutely, in fact, the believer gets to experience a depth of pleasure that one who doesn't know the creator can't. Because we ask our questions, is it sin? Can I share it? Will I surrender it? Is it sin? Can I share it? Will I surrender it? And we get to actually enjoy things, good food, good drink, nature, the arts, without becoming a slave to anything. But with all of that, if we don't have peace, it doesn't matter. And Jesus's words that we first read in that first week, we are going to turn back to because Jesus tells us that happy people are in fact peace filled and not just filled with peace, but they themselves make peace. We've got to, we got to figure this out today. We, we have to know how can we, how can we be a people of peace in a world that is swirling in chaos, isn't it? How can you be a peacemaker? Here's his words, Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the, say the word, peacemakers. peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You know, what's so interesting about this word peacemaker in the New Testament. It is the only time the Greek word is used in scripture. Very interesting. There's nowhere else where this unique word, peacemaker, I said it to Amy last night. And she said, no, that can't be. I'm like, well, then tell me another Bible verse that says peacemaker. Stumped her. I got a plus one last night. Well, then think about it. There's no like, you know, peace, shalom, but like peacemaker. Jesus uses a unique Greek word. He didn't make up the word. It's just the only time it's in our New Testament. And there's something to it. This is actually what it means. In this context, a peacemaker bravely declares God's terms, which makes someone whole. 
the peacemaker that Jesus speaks of here, and remember, blessed is Makarios. You guys are just learning Greek in this first month of 2023. You're just Greek experts. Makarios, happy people because of a position, not a possession, are peacemakers. It's not simply about bringing peace. Oh, let's calm down the family. They're arguing again. It's very unique. It's actually you declare God's terms, which makes a person whole. In other words, you bring the gospel with you where you go to bring a level of wholeness to the situation. You don't just show up with peace tactics and behavior modification. A peacemaker says, I have a gospel lens and I'm going to share the peace that I found with God with another person in this moment. I'm going to walk out the peace that God gives. And here's the tension. It's hard to make peace when you don't have peace. It's hard to make peace when you don't have peace. It is hard for you and I to be peacemakers, to walk into situations or have situations walk into our lives because how many know life don't care? (laughs) Situations will walk into your life. You can have all the guardrails up in place. You can live the healthiest lifestyle you want. Life doesn't care. Things are going to happen. So how do we be peacemakers when life happens or when we walk into situations that were outside of our control, they were the result of another person's doing. And Jesus says, well, happy people walk in with the gospel and they create peace there. But it's hard to make peace when you don't have it. So we are going to look at a moment in time. It's recorded for us by Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they understood this really happened. We're not just reading text on a page. This is a moment in time preserved for us. And they talk about a day where the disciples and Jesus had a situation take place and there was a need for peace. And there are questions that are being exchanged between Jesus and the disciples. And by kind of eavesdropping in on their conversation, you and I will learn, well, then how do we experience God's peace today? So Mark chapter four, we'll read Mark's words. Mark 4, 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus said to the disciples, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them. Could you say that with me? They took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. So it's been a long day. It says on that day. And if you want to know what happened on that day, read your Bible this week, start in Mark 4, 1. It was a long day of ministry. They were serving people. They were feeding people. They were teaching people. And it had been a long day. And on that day, Jesus says to his disciples, many of whom were fishermen and knew how to navigate waters. Let's get in the boat. Let's go across. We'll start again tomorrow on the other side. So they get in this boat. But the key detail that we need to grasp from this moment is what you said. They took him with them. So who's in the boat? If you don't know, just say Jesus. There's a 98% chance you're right. It's church, okay? (laughs) Just, Just throw it out there. It's hard to argue with Jesus as the answer to any question here. But yes, Jesus, They took him with them in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. Okay, that's good news, yes? He's in the boat. So what happens next is something no one plans for. It's outside of their control. Life happens next. It says in verse 37, 
But soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Not a good sailing trip for these guys, yeah? They have a long day. It's a hard day of ministry. They get into the boat. They're going across. It should be an easy sail across a lake that they've navigated before, but a fierce storm came up. So much so that high waves are breaking into the boat. The boat is filling with water, but the boat's not just filled with water. Who else is in the boat? He's there. So you know what? All good. (laughs) We've got the one that just multiplied bread and fish with us. We've got the one that turned water into wine with us. I'm using food analogies because I'm just, I'm so happy that we can eat again. We've got the one who commands all things. This is great. He's with us in the boat. Not a problem. And believers, when we go through storms in life, how great. He's with us. He's given us his spirit. He said, it's good that I go because the spirit will come. I'll never leave you alone. Great news. So Jesus, do your Jesus thing. 438. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Are you kidding me? Of all times to be tired, to take a nap. Do you not care? Do you not see? Don't worry, Jesus is with us. Yeah, but he's sleeping. Is he, is he that great that in his sleep he's got us? I mean, think about this moment because you've been here before. Maybe not the exact circumstances. Let's draw something here. We go through hard moments in our lives. And if you're a believer, you have a belief in Jesus. And yet there's a disconnect between what you believe should be happening. And it kind of feels like Jesus is asleep right now. Because you're praying the prayers and you raised your kids to know the Lord and you have a gospel-centered marriage, you're honoring him with your finances, and you're doing all these things, and yet it feels like he's asleep. I mean, why am I not reaping what I've sowed? Isn't that a biblical principle? Jesus, where are you? And oftentimes when the storm starts raging, we might know he's in the boat, but it feels like he's asleep. It just feels like he's in the back with his head on a cushion. It's the tension we have. We desire happiness. We desire peace. We believe he's able, but we wonder where he is. Because if he was there, then why did she die? And if he was there, why are my children living such a wayward lifestyle? And if he's there, then why am I facing this problem? I'm having a hard time believing. I kind of think you're there, but I don't know if you care. And that's the tension they are in. And it's the tension that we find ourselves in. So what do they do? Someone, my vote's on Peter, gets the courage to wake up Jesus. Could you imagine how, how much they dialogued first before they do this? <laughs> could, like, could, could you just imagine, like, you do it. Who's waking him? I'm not going. He's still upset with me about James is saying about that whole fire on the Samaritans thing. I am not waking him up right now. We're working through things. Anyway, you remember when you had to wake up your parents as a kid, how scared you were then? You kind of like tipped, dad, dad, dad. You try to get louder, right? So who does, th- I don't know, but we, we read and they woke him. They did it. 
And they said to him what you and I say, teacher, don't you care? They say what we say, where we started today. They ask it horizontally because he's there, but they're asking it vertically because he's God. (laughs) Teacher, do you not care? And notice the urgency of the matter. I think the details recorded here specifically so we understand this is a fierce storm. They are on the brink of death. This one will kill them. They are using intentional language to express both the urgency and how personal this storm is. Do you not care that we are perishing? We, if this one hits, we die. You've been in those storms. This one could take me out. I don't see a way out of this one. Do you not care? I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm reading, I'm giving, I'm serving God, I'm doing it all. I'm trusting in you. Don't you care? And look at the next verse. And he woke up, rubbed the dust out. That's how I think it happened. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea what we sang this morning. Peace, say it with me, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He says to the sea, peace. The word truly means silence, quiet, or hush. I just love this. Look at the authority of our king. He shushes the waves. <laughs> like he wakes up and just goes, shh. <laughs> Have you ever been shushed before? Don't you hate that? You're in a movie theater and someone shushes you. You're like, bro, I'll take you outside right now. Do not shush me. I'm trying to explain this scene to my wife. Calm down. Go get some raisinets. It'll be all right. He shushes the wind and the waves and they listen. The same God that breathed them into existence now shushes their fierceness. And and now in response to their question, do you not care? This creator God is going to ask them two questions that we need to hear today. When the storms are raging around us on our peace quest and we ask, do you not care? He asks us, his followers, two questions. And here they are. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you still so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, attention to detail. When he shushed the wind and the waves, Mark told us, do you remember the word? What did he do? He what? He rebuked them. He rebuked the storm, but he spoke to his disciples. As I read that, I believe that there are some here that you have to catch this one truth today because you are so convinced that God is so angry at you and upset with you that his voice is only a rebuking voice towards you and you are missing this truth that his voice comes in grace and invitation. He rebukes the storm, but he speaks to his disciples. 
and he questions them with an invitational question because he's so grace-filled to invite them in and his question doesn't come as a stern rebuking, but as a probing of their hearts. The spirit searches and probes our hearts and he says, why are you afraid? Don't you believe? Revealing that when the storms of life take place that want to throw us off our peace walk with the savior, we have two choices, fear or faith. That's the questions. Are you afraid? Do you believe? Are you filled with fear? Do you have faith? It's the question that he asks them. Why? Because he loves them. Not because he's upset with them. He rebukes the wind and the waves. He shushes the wind and the waves. Hear this. Jesus won't shush you. Don't not pray in in fear that he's going to shush you. Don't don't not seek him in fear that he's angry and that he's just going to rebuke you. He is a loving and compassionate father. He loves you. He's inviting you. He's drawing you in. And so he asks them those questions. Don't you, they say, don't you care? And he says, do you not believe? And then here's the final question. I told you it's a, it's a conversation of questions. And then the disciples ask each other a question. And this is the best question that you and I should ask if we want to experience peace. It is a much better question than don't you care. Verse 41. They were terrified. Why? Because they just watched this son of God shush the waves. There's this fear and this awe and this reverence. And they ask each other, say the question with me. Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Sally Lloyd-Jones in her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible, I love what she writes. She says that then a different kind of storm came into their hearts. Like, okay, that storm was one thing, but now I'm trying to figure out who is this guy? That is a much better storm for you and I to have in our lives. It's a storm of curiosity. It's a storm of wonder. It's a storm of intrigue. It's the question that you and I should ask. What if instead of, as you face the storm, and I know it, your storm is so heavy. And there are so many in this space where the storm is beating down on the ship and it's filling with water and you're wondering if Jesus is there and if he's there, does he care? Is he asleep? And the better question than do you care is simply to ask this in the midst of your storm. Ready? Who is Jesus, what if in moments where we wonder if he's there and wonder if he cares before we start with, don't you care? We start with who is Jesus? Who is this man? Because if you'll start there, the spirit will show you and he'll speak. And if you're facing a storm of relational dysfunction, he will speak. You want to know who Jesus is? He's the restorer and the reconciler. And if you're facing a storm of of how will this need be met, who is Jesus? He's the provider. And if you're facing a storm of bitterness and resentment towards others and unforgiveness, who is Jesus? He is the healer. He touches that part of my body to heal it. Who is Jesus is such a beautiful question. And they saw, oh, he is the one who has complete authority over even nature. 
He can shush the wind. I just, I just want our faith to be stirred this morning to know that he is the God who can provide a peace for us today like nothing else can. I, I wrote this. I think maybe Jesus slept in the boat not because he didn't care, but because he is in complete control even while he's napping. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe you and I get horrible sleep because we're anxious and worried about the outcomes of our situations. And Jesus is saying, you want a good night's rest? I'm the God who will lead you by peaceful streams and quiet waters. You can actually go to sleep and let me run the show. Some of you, just very plainly, some of you have not gotten a good night's rest in so long because you are so anxious and worried about the outcome of the storm. How about you trust the guy who can nap through it and wake up and shush it at any moment? One of the most spiritual things you might do is just get a good night's rest. Because before you go to bed, your simple prayer is, God, I don't know how to control this storm, but you do, so I'm laying my head on the cushion. You got this. God bless you. You got this. God's got it. He says, peace be still to the storm. And you know what? He says it to us too. Psalm 46, 10. He says, be still. You want peace? You want happiness? Stop trying to obtain it. Be still. Yeah, yeah, but if I take my hands off this thing, it's all gonna fall out. You're not that good. You're not in as much control as you think. Be still. And that is not a call to laziness. I'm a millennial, okay? I said that to my generation. Gen Z, it's not a call, just I'm not gonna work, none of that. Work and be still. Trust God with the outcomes. Students, trust him with your future. Be still, trust the God who made you. He's got a plan for your life. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God will be exalted in the storm that you're going through. Don't you worry. His name will be lifted up. I just want to pause for a second so we can take a moment to think, what is the storm that you are currently facing? Can you just think through it? Maybe it comes immediately. You know it's the dysfunction in a relationship. You know it's the worry of of this week's paycheck. You know it's physical health. You know it's emotional health. You know it's your children or your grandchildren or the children you desire but can't have. You, you, you know the storm. Hear his words. Be still. Peace over me. We said it's hard to make peace if you and I don't have peace. And here's the best news of all. The greatest storm that you and I face is the storm caused by sin. I know right now it feels like your biggest storm is housing or employment or or parenting or, or retirement or finance. I know that storm feels mighty, but understand there is a mightier storm that you and I face that we have zero power over and it is the storm created by sin and selfishness. It is a storm that has created a wedge between the created and the creator. But watch this. Your God calmed that storm through Jesus. 
Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, what does it say? We have peace with God. Church, may we not forget that we have peace vertically with God Almighty. That is good news. It is worth celebrating. It is worth thanking him. You have peace with God Almighty through Jesus. It says in verse two, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace that we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? You have access to creator God? because of Jesus's perfect work on the cross for you? You have peace with God? He took care of the sin storm? So can we not trust him with all of our lesser storms? Can't we say, God, this is in your hands. At some point you will shush the wind and the waves around me and I will wait and be still on you. And you know how we know that's a guarantee? Because of the resurrection. Whether your shushing comes this side of the resurrection or not, there will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when sin will be no more. We will rejoice all the sad things made untrue. It is our hope and it is not just delayed gratification because at times the kingdom breaks through and we see the shushing. But even if the storm still rages, you and I have a peace beyond understanding. Our peace is found in Christ. You wanna be happy? You wanna be a peacemaker? Grow in your depth of knowing who God is. It's why we believe here at Blaze Church that we exist to blaze the way for people to first know God. You're knowing of who God is. Today, we have the privilege to celebrate and remember at the Lord's table, Holy Communion. Because it was the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus that paid the price for your peace and mine. And as we take together as the family of God today, may new levels of his peace enter our restless hearts. May we leave this space depending more on the God who's got it. Would would you just say with me, he's got it. I mean, just let that be your release today. So I'd like to pray and then I'll give some instruction on how we are going to receive the Lord's Supper. Father, this morning, we thank you that your rebuke comes to the wind and the waves and your invitation comes to we, your people. And that you probe our hearts, spirit, and that you, you ask, are you afraid? Do you not yet believe? And I pray that this morning, our faith is being stirred. Our belief is growing in the God who has it. Lord, I pray for those who have a, a fierce storm right now. And it is, it is on the brink of perishing. It, it feels like this is the one that will take us out. And I pray, God, that our faith in you would be sure and secure and that we would trust you and that, that every day we come before you and every night we come before you and we constantly lay it down in the hands of the one who can nap peacefully because you've got it. God, I pray that there would be a refreshing to our sleep as we trust you. That there would be a newness in our rhythms and in how we live and that we would not give 
give over ourselves to anxiety and worry on situations that we have no right to be worried about. Your word tells us, do not worry. Seek first your kingdom. I want to pray now for those who don't know Christ as Savior. You've never called on his name. You've never sought him out. And he is seeking you out today. There is a drawing that is taking place. And you long to know the God of peace, the Savior. Call on his name in this moment. I will lead you in this time of prayer. But to just pray words, that doesn't transform a heart. It is a surrender to the perfect work of Christ. So as we pray, Surrender. Lord, I pray for those who are acknowledging you right now for the first time and saying, Jesus, be my savior. You are bringing peace to the storm of sin. You are making people new right now. And Lord, it is not emotional and just being caught up in the moment. This is a spiritual thing, a new creation being made. Acknowledge him as savior. You call out, forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Make us new. In your name we pray, amen.